I'm going to uh, read two verses as a text today. Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. I want to I want to preach just a little while. I really am. I'm just I'm going to make a record here today, I think. Set a record. I'm I'm going to preach on share the lamb. God bless you. Please be seated. The Passover was a remarkable historical event that shattered Egypt and freed Israel and set the children of God on a path toward their destiny. It was the seminal event for Israel before Passover. They were a family and then a race of slaves. But after Passover, they would be a nation. It was a touchstone for their relationship with God. Before, he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But after, he would always be the God who brought you out. Before, he was the God of the patriarchs. After, he would be the God who delivered each and every one of them. The Passover would be a key that would unlock the truth of the coming new covenant. Before he was called anything else, John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God. And the blood on the doorposts of the house of the Israelites in, in Egypt, that blood would be his blood placed on the doorpost of every heart who will allow him to save them from eternal death. You see, the Passover was all about the Lamb. The nine prior plagues, water turned to blood, frogs, lice, flies, livestock pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. They all led to that tenth plague that broke Egypt's back, that took the firstborn from every house. They all led to the Lamb. And all the events that would come later of the glorious deliverance of the Israelites, the marching out, the fire of God that held back Egypt's army for that long and fearful night, the east wind that opened the sea and the flight through the miraculous pathway, the drowning of Pharaoh and his host, it all began with the Lamb. The entire Passover was filled with symbolism. It was carefully crafted. It was deliberately designed by God to both foreshadow and to connect back. No aspect of that entire experience was more important than the lamb. So important that every household had to have a lamb. A lamb for every house. It had to be male had to be less than one year old. It had to be absolutely perfect, not a blemish, not a mark. It had to be sacrificed on the 14th day of the month. 
Its blood must be placed on the lintel and the doorposts of every home surrounding the entrance into that place. It must be smeared there, not by hand nor paintbrush, but by hyssop drawn from the desert that symbolized the Spirit of God. It couldn't be boiled nor baked. It must be, it must be roasted with fire. And they must eat it while dressed for departure. And perhaps most importantly, they must consume it all. It was not cafeteria style nor smorgasbord. No one was exempted because they did not prefer the taste of lamb. No, no, no. Everyone had to eat of it. And everyone had to internalize it. Everyone had to take part in consuming every part of it. You couldn't pick and choose what you liked about the lamb. You had to be sure it was all internalized. It was all consumed. And of course, we know the lamb is a type of Jesus Christ. The early preachers, they had no New Testament so they reached back into the stories of the old and they preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus by preaching what happened in the Old Testament. Let me quote a preacher, a pastor in the city of Sardis left less than 50 years after the death of the last of the 12 apostles, John. His name is Melito, and he's preaching about the Passover. And here's what he says. The law is old, but the gospel is new. The type was for a time, but grace is forever. The Passover lamb was corruptible, but the Lord is incorruptible. Who was crushed as a lamb, but was resurrected as God. For although he was led to sacrifice as a sheep, he was no sheep. And although he was like a lamb without voice, indeed he was not a lamb. For there was once a type, but now the reality has come. The commandment was grace. The type was reality. The lamb was a son. The sheep was a man. And the man was God, for the one who was born as son and led to the slaughter as lamb and sacrificed as sheep and buried as a man rose from the dead as God, since he is both God and man. <laughs> he is everything, Melito says. In that he judges, he is law. In that he teaches, he is gospel. In that he saves, he is grace. In that he begets, he is father. In that he is begotten, he is son. In that he suffers, he is lamb. In that he is buried, he is man. In that he resurrected, he is God. This is Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Every contingency was provided for. It was not for a certain demographic. It wasn't for a certain idealized family. But regardless of circumstance, the lamb was available to all. 
it was commanded for all. I was struck by the fourth verse of that 12th chapter. In giving instructions on consuming the lamb. And if the household be too little for the lamb. Let him and his next door neighbor take it according to the number of the souls. Now, now what it's talking about is, let's assume there's a newlywed couple. Just a young husband and wife. There's no children. There's no one but two people. They couldn't consume in one night the lamb. They're too little for the lamb. What if it's a single adult? There's no way you could eat an entire one-year-old lamb in one night. You're too little for the lamb. The solution was simple. If you're too little for the lamb, you share the lamb. You get your neighbors and you say, we're going to get together and we're going to share the lamb let me tell you something today we're all too little for the lamb there's nobody so smart so educated so spiritual so close that they can handle this lamb by themselves there's no church big enough for the lamb there's no organization big enough for the lamb we're all too little for the lamb and the only solution is to round up the neighbors the only solution is to get people together and share the lamb <laughs> he's too big for all of us individually there's too much in him. He's too marvelous. He's too incredible. He's too awesome. The eye hath not seen. The ear hath not heard. We cannot fathom the reaches of his glory. We cannot plumb the depths of his love. We cannot reach the heights of his compassion. None of us are big enough for the lamb. We're all too little. That's why we are called to share the lamb. Sharing the lamb is a simple process. We make it complicated, and I understand modern technology and situations of our world and the demographics and the fear and division, strife. I get all of that. But let me tell you something. Sharing the lamb is the easiest thing you'll ever do. No, I understand. I get it. I know, man, I'm not good at knocking doors. You knock a door and hope nobody answers. You're halfway down the walk. Time they get to the door. Mark them off. Check. Nobody home. I get all that. I, I know personality. I get it. I, 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 I understand. I, I gra And I know how hard it is 
to, to open the conversation, to begin the witness to someone that you're close to or hardly know. I get all of that. I get it. But let me tell you something. We are called to share the Lamb. Share Him from the pulpit. Share Him at the cafeteria. Share Him at high school. Share him at Walmart. Share him on the job. Wherever we go, we are to share the Lamb. And if he has filled us and we are overflowing with his presence and his love and his power, we heard last night that when we love that word, when we love that Lamb, it will bubble out of us without a second thought. And let me tell you, preacher, you're called to preach Jesus Christ. You're not called to preach political opinions or the latest self-help theories. You're not called to raise people up in a false self-image. You are called to preach the Lamb, for He is the answer. He's what they need. They don't need my opinion. They don't need my ideals. They need Jesus. I am called to preach the Lamb. For we preach, Paul says, not ourselves. Oh, Brother McClintock, you are so right. What's in us comes out when we preach. You, I, I tell my classes, every sermon is made up of three parts. I didn't say three points. I said three parts. The preacher, the preparation, and the presentation. And you cannot stop yourself from coming out. But if like Paul, you can say, I am hidden with God in Christ, I am lost in His presence. Then when you preach, it's Jesus that will come out of your spirit. Now, I want to give you a real quick, i got two minutes to give you a quick example. A ten minute example. So here we go. How many of you have a favorite apostle, favorite disciple, a favorite among the twelve? My favorite is Philip. I love Philip. I think Philip's cool. I relate to Philip. I do, because Philip was not the sharpest knife in the drawer, not the brightest bulb in the pack. Philip was, you know, Philip was a bit challenged sometimes. I mean, you remember when Jesus told his disciples, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? <laughs> and he gets through saying that. Philip raised his hand. <clears throat> Jesus said, yes, Philip. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. <laughs> no, he laughed, but I'm glad. I'm glad he didn't get it the first time around the corral. I'm glad he asked the obvious question. I'm glad because Jesus made it clearer. 
He said, Philip, have I been so long time with you and you do not know me when you've seen me? You have seen the Father. He made it so I could understand it. He was God in flesh. I remember, I remember another time when some Greeks came. And they were, they were wanting to meet Jesus. And they came, happened to come upon Philip. And they said, sirs, we would see Jesus. And, and Philip, uh, uh, let me talk to Andrew. And he goes over to talk to Andrew. And he says, Andrew, they want to see Jesus. Andrew says, well, let's take them to Jesus. And I can see Philip. I know what's going through his mind. I wish I'd have thought of that. That's Philip. I love Philip. I get Philip. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes things go over my head. The only good thing about Philip is he didn't know. He'd ask the questions. He didn't know that he was one step behind everybody else. And so when you read about how those disciples shared the lamb, it's amazing that Philip takes a part in that story. Andrew and John have begun their search for God long before Jesus calls them from their fishing nets. In fact, they are disciples of John the Baptist. And one day, they are standing with their, with their master, John the Baptist, and, and they're listening to him when a man walks by. And John stops in the middle of the conversation and he points at the man and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And Andrew and John immediately leave John the Baptist and they follow Jesus and they follow him for the rest of their lives. Now, Andrew, the Bible says, first went and found his brother, Simon. And said, we found the Messiah. And Simon, who became Peter, is led to Jesus by his brother Andrew, sharing the lamb. Now, I believe that Andrew went and got Philip. The Bible doesn't specifically say, but I believe it, number one, because it says he first went to his brother. Now, you don't need to say somebody first did something unless they second did something. So I think the second doing was going to get Philip. Remember, Philip is from the same little fishing village that Peter and Andrew are from. He is no doubt a childhood friend, if not a relative. So they go get Philip, and Philip meets the master. And Philip becomes a soul winner, a lamb sharer. And he goes to a buddy of his whose name is Nathaniel. Now, Philip is no match for Nathaniel. There's no way he can match brain power with the urbane, sophisticated, witty Nathaniel. There's no way. No, no. Nathaniel can run circles around Brother Philip. I mean, look, Philip is... Philip is He's looking for somebody to share the lamb. I'm just, I'm just about to explode. And there's his friend, Nathaniel. He goes up and says, we found. 
found him. The one of whom the prophet spake. We found him. The Messiah. He's here. He's among us. It's Jesus of Nazareth. I've always imagined Philip in this scenario as sort of like a little chihuahua. And Nathaniel is a St. Bernard. And the first thing out of Nathaniel's mouth is what the is what the sophisticates think. They're the uptown crowd. They're the educated crowd. Nazareth. He uses a euphemism, a a, a, a proverb that is downing the little provincial towns where people don't have their education or, or skills or birth. And he says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That little smirk. How come smart people Always throw cold water on other people's ex excitement. <laughs> Philip is no match. Let me tell you, people can find a thousand reasons not to serve God that I have no answer for. A thousand reasons why the Bible isn't true. A thousand reasons why religion has failed. They can come up with more sayings and more things. Get on the internet and you'll find it in droves. Philip is no match. But he doesn't have to match. All he has to do is share the lamp. He looks at Nathaniel, the sophisticated, the witty, the urbane, the, 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 the socialite. He looks at Nathaniel and he says, well, come and see. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not worried that if they'll come meet Jesus, somehow they'll be disappointed. That if they'll repent of their sins and get baptized in His name and full of His Spirit, that they'll look me in the eye and honestly say, I was better off back in the world. All we can say is, Come and check it out for yourself. Come and meet Jesus for yourself. And if you'll meet Jesus, he'll answer your need. He'll fulfill your hunger. He'll make your life worth living. Just come and meet the master. Preacher, share Jesus. Don't share other answers. Don't try to combat every question. Just say, come and see. And Nathaniel followed him. And Jesus said, I saw you sitting under the tree. And Nathaniel said, I don't know how that could happen. You must be the promise. The king of Israel. And Jesus said, because I saw you sitting under a tree, you follow me, Nathaniel. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to do stuff you've never imagined. If you share him, stand with me. I've got to quit. If you share the lamb, they will never be disappointed.
if you share the lamb, he will always go above and beyond. If we just take Jesus. Here's the thing. You cannot share what you do not have. Consuming of the lamb was a community issue. You didn't call others to the feast and you stood quietly aside. You didn't prepare the lamb and then not partake of it. You cannot share what you do not have. I want to echo Sister Larissa Bollinger who preached so powerfully last night. You have to be consumed by the Lamb if you hope to share Him with others. Sometimes I think it's easier to preach some earthly solution to human problems. It's easier to preach philosophy and the wisdom of men. It's easier to preach from the latest business theory book of how to lead people, how to affect people. It's just easier. Because you don't have to own those. You're just passing them along. But if you want to share the lamb. You have to first partake of him. For yourself. It has to flow. From an overflowing heart. One who sees how little they are. And the overflow reaches out everywhere you go. You don't have to remember to bring him into the conversation because he's always in the conversation. You don't have to remember to call his name because it is echoing over and over in your heart, Jesus. Jesus. You don't have to remember to pray because you're always communicating because it just flows. It just flows. And when you step in the pulpit, you, you never run out of something to preach because He's the well that never runs dry. He springs up. I want you to lift your hands right now across the building. You called us to share your story. You called us to share your death, your burial, your resurrection. You called us to share the Lamb. God, we're not praying for courage. We're not praying for wisdom. 
We're not praying even for training, but what we're praying for is a heart that is so full of you that your power and your presence and your glory just flows out of us that it's like an aroma. It's like a flowing of power. Help us share the lamb. Help us in Jesus' name. Just another moment. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel His power in Jesus' name. He's big enough. He's awesome enough. He's great enough. He will fill us and everyone else if we share the land.